Hello and welcome to the Aldenova podcast. My name is Paul Tyson. I'm a senior associate of the Luxembourg Corporate and NA team, and I'm here today with Jacques Kras, who is a partner of the same team. Today, we will discuss the status of the M&A market in the context of the COVID-19 pandemic. Until the pandemic started hitting the markets, first in Asia in January, and then Europe and the US end of February, beginning of March, the worldwide M&A activity remained at high levels, although signs of a global cooldown were already appearing. But following strict lockdowns, including travel restrictions and the shutting down of a large part of the economy all over the world, the M&A activity fell to a record lows not seen since the financial crisis of 2008. To add some illustration, in mid-April, it was the first time since more than 15 years without the announcement of a mega deal, which is a transaction with more than 1 billion USD value. And the global M&A activity was down roughly 30% compared to last year. So Jacques, what is, in your view, the general picture of the market in Luxembourg? Well, thank you, Paul, for the, um, the introduction. And the global picture you are drawing applies pretty much in the same way to Luxembourg. We were doing pretty well in the M&A market until the March start of the lockdowns. Things had quieted down a little bit from the 2019-2018 record years, but the activity levels were still pretty high. And mid-March, it really went down very drastically. And by the end of the month, uh, things had pretty much come to a standstill. That being said, this immediate uh, reaction um, has to be analyzed a little bit more in detail to really draw some broader conclusions. And in reality, I believe you need to look at it from two different angles. On the one hand, you have, let's say, the existing deals, the deals that were ongoing, where there were already negotiations, due diligence. And for the vast majority of those deals that we see in the market, they have not been cancelled, but rather delayed. So timetables have been pushed back to allow people to get together again, negotiate person to person, to do proper due diligence and frankly have time because now there was a crisis mode. But on the other hand, you have new deals, so new ventures that would be launched. And in that respect, we're still seeing very little in the market. The key reason is naturally the uncertainty as regards valuations and pricing. The market is still very, very nervous, it's very difficult to price. And so people are happy to continue existing deals. But when it comes to new deals, we are still in a very limited situation. Many thanks for this initial thoughts on the market overview. You were mentioning that existing deals are, let's say, put in a lower pace. However, there are, of course, also buyers that might want to step back from, from a signed transaction between signing and closing. So in a nutshell, how do you see this situation? Indeed, there is a risk for, for certain deals that are between signing and closing that you have reluctant buyers or buyers that have remorse because now they look at the market and say, well, we signed up for something one, two months ago. The valuation looked good. And COVID-19 has changed the whole situation. Just imagine you have made a significant investment or signed an SBA to buy into a hotel business or an airline business two months ago, and you look at your valuation today, it will be a completely different picture. That being said, once you signed up for a deal under Luxembourg law, you also have an obligation to go through as a matter of principle. And 
in order to avoid going through, you would need to find something in the contract, like a material adverse effect clause, like some pre-completion covenant that would allow you to get out. Otherwise, you're pretty much left with general law principles and applying force majeure or clauses like that in an well-written SPA seems quite challenging in my view, and it raises potential directors' liabilities issues as well. One say, important factor of this crisis, unlike previous or recent economic crises like the dot-com crisis or the 2008 financial crisis, is that this crisis is not related to a specific sector and doesn't even have its origin to the financial sector. Uh, however, do you see some uh, sector specificities uh, during the current situation? Yeah, thanks, Paul, for this question. I believe it's it's indeed relevant in this very complex environment to also break it down into sectors. And of course, it's always a question of generalization. But if we look at it in the Luxembourg market, the vast majority of M&A in Luxembourg is linked in one way or the other to the fixed sector, to financial institutions or the broader service provider industries, such as management companies or, or corporate service provider companies. And that sector, to, to be honest, has not been at the center of this crisis so far. It's been contrary to what happened in 2008, 2009, not a banking or financial sector crisis, but it is, a first of all, a sanitary crisis. But then from an economic perspective, it is a main street crisis. It's shops and retail and all the basic commerce that is mostly affected. In that sense, the fixed sector and the Luxembourg M&A base on existing deals has been rather resilient, and I would expect that also to continue. So that's the fixed sector. Then if you look at another sector that is very prominent in Luxembourg, which is real estate. Real estate, for example, contrary to FIC, has taken quite a significant hit in the sense that it was nearly impossible to proceed with real estate transactions over the last two months because of physical restrictions in terms of due diligence, in terms of valuations, etc. And we would expect that sector to pick up slowly, but definitely it's something where we see a stronger impact than, for example, in FIC. Now, if we look at maybe more generally uh, international deals that are structured through Luxembourg and go away from the pure Luxembourg-centric M&A, you clearly see that certain sectors such as infrastructure, also hospitality that I was mentioning before, are more affected than others. You're talking about international deals, and I think that's actually a, a very interesting one, because the current crisis also showed that certain jurisdictions put national interests far above the international community. And certain regulators even toughened rules for foreign investments in order to protect national assets and national companies. Do you think that this will have a long-term impact on overseas transactions? Well, it's, it's certainly an, an element in terms of the international deal dynamic that cannot be ignored. We have seen Spain and Italy and also Germany, to a certain extent, putting in place restrictions on foreign direct investment. The European Union as a whole is looking to protect against foreign buyers that would opportunistically try to invest in strategic sectors, in particular when they come, let's say, from Asia. But we have seen that in the past as well. And there are always phases of ups and downs in that respect. And if you look more specifically at the Luxembourg market, Luxembourg structures that are used for international deals, most of them do not deal with that sort of issues. If you're investing in foreign real estate through Luxco's, 
that is not something that would typically be part of uh, foreign direct investment restrictions. So we're really looking at strategic sectors that are national champions, and those will certainly be more protected in the future than they even were in the past. So let's now talk about new deals that are currently ongoing during the crisis. And of course, as every crisis, that there will be changes to the contractual environment. So what are, in your view, the main legal concerns in, in this respect? Well, contracts are always a minefield, but in particular in these times, even more so. Just to stick to three key points, I would say that, first of all, pre-completion covenants are key and need to be looked at very carefully. Ordinary course of business in the times of COVID-19 is not the same as ordinary course of business three months ago. And that is potentially a minefield in the sense that it will be very difficult to comply. The second technical element that I would like to highlight are condition precedent. If you now enter into a new deal as a buyer, you want to protect yourself against possible changes in the situation that would come down the road, potentially thinking about a materially adverse effect loss, although that is something that is quite rare in the European and in particular in the Luxembourg market, or more specifically, a clause that would state that there should not be a full lockdown ongoing or other more deal-specific clauses. And then lastly, but certainly very importantly, you need to carefully review your indemnity and warranties package. This is even more important in these times of crisis than in the normal. So you expect that buyers will seek to further protections via the contractual framework, which puts, of course, more of the risk to the sellers. That is certainly what buyers will try to do. The question is, of course, what will be the relative negotiation positions? Will this become more of a seller's market as opposed to a buyer's market? I don't think it's possible to generalize. It really depends on sector by sector. And for certain assets, if you think just about the medical industry, vaccinations and generally speaking, virtual solutions, all these businesses that benefit from this crisis, certainly sellers will be in a very strong position as opposed to other sectors where potentially buyers will be in a stronger position. And like, do you have any advice for the directors that are currently engaged in M&A processes during the crisis in order to mitigate their liability risks? Well, the overall advice is, of course, always to stay close to your lawyers. Jokes apart, the view on directors will be even more scrutinized in this market. When you're on the buyer side, you need to make sure the terms are appropriate, that the money to proceed with the deal is there. You asked previously what you do when you want to get out of a deal. Well, at the end of the day, if there's no contractual clause, you are bound to go through. And if you don't, there's a liability risk and even insolvency risk potentially. And if you're on the seller side, well, it's key that even if you are in a position where you have to sell for liquidity purposes, you still need to get the right price and searching for a counterparty that provides deal certainty will be even more important than in the normal. So let's now end with an easy question. When will the market pick up? Do you expect more something like a V-shape, L-shape, U-shape? How do you see the situation? I expect an, an X shape, which basically means that I do not have a crystal ball. And I believe that at this stage, it's, uh, it's unfortunately too early to, to tell. More seriously, the best guess when it comes more specifically to the Luxembourg market 
is that there will be some gradual pickup of the activity by the second half of 2020, in particular considering new distressed M&A and considering the heavy impact of the fixed sector. That being said, at this point in time, all depends on the sanitary evolution. Uh, and so we'll probably be back by the end of the year discussing the latest trends. Thanks, Jack. This was very interesting, and I think it will be equally interesting to see the evolution of the market in the challenging times. Thanks for listening in, and we hope to have you back for the next episode of the ANO podcast.